We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayus, at the Lamb Shows, where you can find me. Joining me on the phone, my guy, A-Double, Young young Car Troubles. What up? Yeah, life is tough. My cast got help me out, but nevertheless, we're here. We're here, man. How you feeling about week one, dude? We, we finally are getting football. We're recording this before Thursday Night Football, so we'll avoid that conversation until the next time you guys hear from us. But how are you feeling, dude? I know for the longest time we were wondering and kind of taking like side bets, like, is there going to be football? Isn't there going to be football? So how you feel right now? Uh, I don't know. The schedule slate's not that great, but I guess we should, we just should be grateful that sports is, or football primarily is back. But I don't know, there's not many appealing matchups, and I just, I'm kind of waiting to see what the on-field procs going to look like before getting overly excited, but you know, I guess we do have to be grateful. Dude, I think that's my one biggest 
I wouldn't say concerned, but I'm fully expecting, like we've been saying throughout this uh, <clears throat> throughout the summer. And if you guys haven't checked out the NFL preview show, go and check that out. Dope, nice, lengthy, meaty conversation about the entire NFL. And one thing that Alan, I'm pretty sure we opened up that episode about was the idea of we're going to have such a big boner for the NFL coming back that the product isn't going to be that good, bro. Like, you're already hearing reports from training camps of teams struggling to tackle, not caught up to game speed, and then before you know it, you're just going to throw these dudes out into the field, out into the wolves, and tell them, now you got to run 100 miles per hour. Now you got to go full speed. And I'm worried about soft tissue injuries. I'm worried about regular just contact injuries. I'm worried about ball security, timing, tackling. I think when it's week five, six, and we kind of do like a first half recap episode or first quarter recap, one thing that we'll be talking about is how bad football is going to be this first month. Yeah, because it's you could trust all about when it comes to, say, teams that didn't make many major acquisitions. They pretty much are pretty cohesive already, but there's no time. That's why I think preseason is so valuable. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see like how the main contenders look because if you see a main contender team like Seattle or New Orleans or even a Pittsburgh come out stumbling, it's you're going to have to see all this pressure. And it's just like, oh, how much do we gauge it? How much do we say, oh, do we got to give it four or five weeks? Or it's more of, no, you got to be ready to produce. That's why I don't know. Like Pittsburgh, I think, is a real opportune position. Roethlisberger hasn't been on the field for over a year. And now he's in a position where he's kind of like going to prove it now because he's 38. Like certain teams, like the pressure's already on. There isn't going to be much of a filling out process. It's like you need to start winning immediately. You mentioned Big Ben, and I know I didn't prepare you for this. I just want to get just a natural reaction from you. Last couple of years, we've seen these over 36-year-old quarterbacks kind of just plummet. Just, you're talking about overnight, right? Like, Eli Manning overnight became atrocious. Uh, last year, Phillip Rivers just like, dude, you were a top five MVP candidate in 2018. 2019, you were abysmal. I'm going to give you five names. I want you off the top of your head, tell me which one you think is most likely to have a what-the-fuck-happened-to-this-guy season. Big Ben, your boy Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Wow. Those are five top-tier quarterbacks. Isn't, isn't that such a great professional question on my end, too? <laughs> Man. If you want, you know what? Since I, since I threw it to you first and I kind of surprised you with this, I'll go first. I think really tough. I think the guy that I'm going to go with, and I know I'm going to get heat for this because I'm already getting heat for saying they're going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. I think we got to watch out for Aaron Rodgers. His QBR, his pass attempt, your, uh, yards per completion, all his analytics numbers over the last three years have been declining. I know the counter could be doesn't have a lot of offensive pieces around him. Totally reasonable. Totally uh, agree with it. As far as pass catchers, right? Because Aaron Jones, top flight running back. Devontae Adams, a top five wide receiver. Those aren't the guys I'm worried about, Allen. And I think what we're going to see with Aaron Rodgers is it might, I think it's going to look bad for Green Bay offensively 
because there's just not a lot of talent around him to make him flourish. The draft, a lot of people are still upset in Green Bay that you didn't really address anything to win now. You get a quarterback in the first round, Jordan Love. You kind of are grooming him to be the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers if you take a guy in the first round. So I know it seems like a stretch and a a hot take, but Aaron Rodgers has not been the Rodgers that we've grown to love and, and that ridiculous quarterback that we grew up with for a while now, dude. Yeah, I'm bouncing between Rodgers and Breeze because the thing is, Breeze has a supporting cast, but I think his arm strength's been fading for a bit now, and you think he's kind of been coasting by just because Sean Payton, I don't think there's many better player calls than Sean Payton, the way he manufactures that offense. He puts Breeze in a lot of positions where he just makes those high percentage throws across the middle or even underneath because you have Gak Monsters and Kamara and Thomas. Like, I think talent-wise it's Breeze, but because of the lack of supporting cast and just... I think Green Bay has a first-place schedule as well. I could see Rodgers, because Rodgers has been dipping since probably 2017. I know he got injured that year, but like 2016, it started, but then that second-half run, and then the Dallas game was just crazy. So I don't want to say Rodgers has been dipping since 2016, but I think I, I don't know if he's ever really recovered from that season-ending shoulder injury. So yeah, I think Rodgers is probably the best call, even though I don't think it's fully on him. Like, I think when he eventually gets... I think it's going to be an ugly exit, and I don't know how much, because Rodgers, like his persona, he doesn't come off as the most likable guy, but I can see him, him becoming kind of like a sympathetic figure. It's like, what if, because I think he will go to the Raiders eventually. Like, I can see when Rodgers leaves, people are going to feel bad for him, because like, you just compare Green Bay and New Orleans, and they're polar opposites. New Orleans is pulling all the stops out for Drew Brees to get that Super Bowl for the second time, while Green Bay, it's just like they're building towards 2022. Like That draft just screams out. We do not care. Like it's not a team that's come off a thirteen-win season, albeit they were fortunate in thirteen games. But I would just flabbergast at the fact that you have a team that looks say we want they can win games. They they proved it last year. They can be a contender, and they did absolutely nothing to bolster those claims. I love that call on Breeze. I hope not because of the financial investments we've made, uh, Alan, in the sports betting futures market, but. I wouldn't be surprised too, man. Look, they bring in Jameis Winston. I know he's number three on the depth chart now. And you also pay Taysom Hill in the offseason. So, and we saw last year, you know, Breeze going into last season, I was concerned with his durability and his, his arm strength. And I think he benefited from having five games off when he got hurt. But you just can't account for that again. Yeah, and it was a freak injury. Like when you see Corbex break there, was it his finger or his hand? I, I think, think it was his thumb. I think it was his thumb, yeah. Because yeah, he, like, he had that like weird uh, like finger brace to, right. to grip the football. And it, it hit off Aaron Donald's helmet. Like It was one of the most freak, not freakish because it wasn't like out for the year, but just one of those random, it's like, wow, he's really going to miss over a month of action, even though Saints didn't miss a beat, they were undefeated. I, uh, I hurt my hand in high school, my left hand. So you guys can't see it, but Alan could see. Like, as I go to throw and, like, you know, you just put your arm forward. And as I'm coming down, my left hand hit my my left tackles, like, the top of his helmet. And, bro, I couldn't do push-ups the rest of the year. Like, that just – I thought I broke it because I never – I had never – you know, I was a soccer player, bro. I was soft, you know. And then from there, going to play – we want to play football. Any any injury, any like big hit that I took, I felt it a little longer than the average 
high school football player was feeling just because of duration and the amount of times that they were getting popped. You know, you never hit the quarterback in, in high school. So it, it is one of those injuries with Breeze where it was kind of a fluky injury. So I do feel you on that. Let me ask you this one, man. Let's move on a little bit because uh, there is some NBA topics I want to uh, close out the show with. But let's let me ask you this. We gave our predictions from the preview show uh, that dropped on Monday. Again, if you haven't checked that out, go and check that out. Got some really good feedback for that. Um, Alan, if you had one pick to go redo, I'm giving you one out to change your mind on a team, a player, a situation, whatever you want from your predictions that you would want to change and maybe go the other way, maybe improve, lead us off. I'm a little concerned about the Vikings because I think Daniel Hunter is probably their most valuable defensive piece. I know guys like Eric Kendricks and Anthony Harris have monster years, but I think Daniel Hunter is – probably the most talented and their best defensive end. He's coming from 14 sack season. He's been, ever since he entered the league, he's been a force to be reckoned with. And it's just, you don't see many edge rushers that consistent, uh, whether it's run support or edge rushing. Just, I don't know, he's a freak off the edge. Like His measurables are off the charts. And he really, t- like, he's probably the one edge rusher I saw terrorize Ryan Ramchuk last year. Ryan Ramchuk's probably like, the best right attack in the league on New Orleans, and he gave it to him in the playoffs. So the fact that the Vikings are losing Hunter for games, if not more, and especially because of a neck injury. And, you know, neck injury is very severe. So I think people that took the Lions to win the division have to be a little feel a little better now. But for the Vikings, like, I think, I don't know, like, I, I'm definitely a little colder on them now. Like, I still think they'll, they'll barely win the division, but it's like, man, he's a huge loss. Well, if you factor in, <clears throat> they open up the season against Green Bay, and those division games are very, very important. And also, when you look at Minnesota, dude, because I'm preparing for daily fantasy stuff, they have three new defensive backs in the secondary. Corners that they're replacing from last year. And though I am questionable about Aaron Rodgers for a season-long standpoint, you know, Adams has always done well against that secondary with Mike Zimmer. And now you're throwing these new guys in there, and without Hunter, and you bring in Yannick, how acclimated is he with the new system as well? I think this is a big one for Minnesota and, and Green Bay, dude, especially it being a division game like we mentioned. You know, they play at home against the Packers, on the road against the Colts, at home against the Titans. And you're talking about three teams that, well, maybe not so much Green Bay, but the other two teams are very solid up front on the offensive line. They like to control the pace, like to control the ball. So I'd be a little hesitant about Minnesota. I kind of like that call there. Yeah, those teams are gonna run the ball too because they they don't shy away. Like, they are a very physical teams, especially the Colts and Titans. Like they are not quiet about what they want to do offensively. They are gonna establish run and they're gonna smash mouth it. Let's stay with this game a little bit, dude, and then I'll give you my response as to what prediction I want to change because this is one of our games of the week. Packers are a three-point underdog going into Minnesota. And I feel like it's just a nice little transition into one of these games of the week. Minnesota 
under Mike Zimmer is one of the best teams at home against the spread, close to 70% against the spread. He's one of the better head coaches in the league just from a preparation game plan standpoint. They it's it's very rare. I know they had that one slip up a couple years ago when they lost to Buffalo at home. Do you remember that? It was Kirk Cousins' first year. They were undefeated, I think. Yeah, and Buffalo was a 17-point underdog, and then they won by double digits. It was the only time in NFL history that that was a situation right. where a team was favored by two touchdowns, and then they ended up losing by, by double uh, double digits. But this is a team that plays really, really well. The Dalvin Cook situation, I'm still... I'm, I'd feel more optimistic about Minnesota if they had this deal done. How about you? I think everyone agrees with that. You want to have deal set in place but I don't know running backs are playing hardball these days I just feel like the last couple of years every running back that's played hardball with their organization to get paid entering the season that season hasn't gone well for them Le'Veon Bell um, uh, Melvin Gordon last year also just it's guys where usually Zeke came out alright Zeke came out alright but he also agreed to that deal prior to week one is what I'm saying. So maybe this deal gets done on Friday or Saturday. But with this game, I think the biggest thing that I'm looking at is what I mentioned before. That's a new secondary in Minnesota. And for love what they have in the back with the safeties, Harris and Smith. I think they're tremendous. In my opinion, they might be the best safety tandem in the league. So you have the veteran presence and the experience back there. Anthony Harris, I believe, was tied for the league lead in interceptions last year. But this is a guy in Aaron Rodgers who goes after your weak points. He goes after your, you know, that corner pulls a hammy and then the backup steps in. He'll attack him right away. And I know they don't really have the firepower that they've had in years past, but I think Adams is going to have a gigantic game right off, right off rip. I'm just curious what's Green Bay's game plan going to be because it seems like they're really shifting more towards a run-first offense. And even though it looks like Aaron Jones should be the focal point considering his success he had last year, you know, they didn't draft a second-round pick on a running back for a reason. So um, I'm curious how they're going to manage, I guess, the pass-run ratio. Uh, even though there are question marks in that Vikings secondary, I think Matt LaFleur, just based on what their offseason has been like, they're going to want to run the ball, which is not easy against a Mike Zimmer defense, even though I'm also curious. They not just lost Hunter, but you know, Everson Griffin's gone, but also Limbaugh Joseph, who was a force there for several years. Uh, it's, I, don't know, I think both these teams have kind of been hit hard by the offseason. They've regressed in a couple of key areas, yet I still feel most comfortable with them winning. Both teams win the NFC North, so... Uh, I think it's just a matter of what team, of course, adjustments are key, but I just wonder, you know, how are both teams going to look like offensively? Because matter this is also the first game. How are Vikings going to look with that Stephon Diggs? You know, you mentioned that front being sort of, not sort of, it, it's completely different, right? You're talking about um, three guys that are missing. Stephen uh, Weatherly, Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin, no Daniel Hunter also. I think what you're looking over here is potentially a big game for Aaron Jones because, Allen, his last three games against Zimmer defenses are insane. 20 for 93 yards and a touchdown. 27 carries, 150 and a touchdown. 25 carries, 160 and two touchdowns. Now you replace 
basically all four starters from last year. Whew. Yeah. Because yeah, he's not someone people like like the word workhorse people look at Aaron Jones and don't view him as a workhorse but he's had 20 carry games in the past this guy is definitely carry the rock it just took Mike McCarthy going away for it to happen yeah I'm I'm starting to come around on this isn't a game that I like for fantasy purposes and betting purposes but it's hard to ignore the matchups that both Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones have especially when you factor in their track record against these teams has already been elite, and now you have completely new faces across the board. I gave out Minnesota as a pick on the Pick'em pool and, and the podcast that I do for the Patreon where I run through the betting lines. I'm starting to come around on Green Bay, dude. Yeah, I'm going Green Bay, too, just because I am I have no idea what to make of the Vikings. Like, I know there's questions about the Packers' offense, but the Vikings' offense is like, okay, I know you, Gary Kubiak's there. You know they're gonna run the ball just like the Packers, but it's just people forget how good Green Bay's pass rush is with Zadarius and and uh, Preston Smith, and then you know, Ken Clark got a well-deserved huge deal. So it's just out. Oh, it comes back to Kirk Cousins, who we haven't really talked about much, but Kirk Cousins in big games tends to underperform, and especially when it comes to dealing with pressure, kind of gets rattled. And I just don't know what to make of the Vikings receivers. We'll see how Justin Jefferson looks, but. It's just in this type of game where I think both teams are going to look for a ball control. I trust Aaron Rodgers more not to turn the ball over because Cousins is always due for a multi-turnover game when it's such a divisional matchup. So you're going with Green Bay on this one? Yeah, I'm going with Green Bay. Yeah, I think uh, I'm kind of flip-flopping as well, man. I'm curious to see what this offense is going to look like for Minnesota. Number two wide receiver now is, well, it used to be Adam Thielen, depending on who you ask. And how you feel, right? Like, do you view slot receivers as primary number ones? Depends how you use them, but it could be like Miami tried with Jarvis Landry first couple of years. Uh, Carlos tried to do a Larry Fitzgerald. Mm. So I think it's just a matter of how you move them across the line of scrimmage. Yeah, that's a fair point because now Adam Thielen, you know, was something that I found really interesting. He would have been. Um, the number two wide receiver in PPR leagues only behind Michael Thomas last year if uh, over a 16-game sample size, if it was just against uh, Green Bay, right? Like, he's dominated Green Bay. If you remember, bro, a little throwback, it was like a week 17, week 16 game many, many years back where I think it might have been Case Keenum was the quarterback, but he, like, lit up Green Bay in Green Bay, hung, like, 200 yards on him. Was it? I remember it was a Saturday night game. It was like 16 nothing, and Rodgers was, was Brett Hundley playing. That's the only time I remember that. I'm going to pull it up because I remember he blew up the Daily Fantasy slate. And just like, it was it was an early, <clears throat> it, I think it might have been 2016. It was 2016 because I remember 17, it was like a Saturday night game, but Hundley was playing. Oh, yeah, look at this. Sorry, sorry. Sorry to cut you off. It was week 16 at Green Bay. They lost 25-38. 15 targets, 12 catches, 202 yards, and two touchdowns. I'm trying to figure out who was the quarterback. It wasn't Case Keenum. The quarterback for that game. Sam Bradford? Sam Bradford. There you go. Sammy B, baby. No wonder he got all those targets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, low A dot for sure. But, dude, now you slot in Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen should have a more expanded role. 
felt like his his average draft position was really low across fantasy leagues. I was seeing him like a lot of fourth rounds. He was there. I was like, dude, he's probably gonna feast. Who's feeling? Yeah. Really? Damn, I got him in the third round last night. <laughs> I'll feel perched by this time. Nah, man. Yeah, I think you should. I think you should. You know, he's drawn more than five targets in every single game with Kirk Cousins as as his quarterback. But all right, let's not digress too much and get into fantasy. You you got Green Bay as well. You said right? Yeah. All right, let's go into my my team that I think I want to kind of bump down a little bit. And I think I might have been a year early on them anyway, Allen, but now Von Miller is out for the year. Cortland Sutton, right before we started recording, is getting MRI an MRI on his shoulder. We don't know the status of him playing the last game on the slate, Monday Night Football against the Titans. There's a lot of things that I like about Denver, that being the team that I'm going to kind of you know throw a curveball on and, and take down from my pre- projections. I had them at 9-7. and seven. I think I'm going to go 7-9 and nine for them. No Von Miller. Last year they had no Bradley Chubb. We don't know what he's going to look like, too. The idea of Chubb and Von Miller being a dynamic 1-2 combination off the edge we kind of talked about von miller when we were doing our afc west breakdown about how he might have like one more to two more elite von miller all pro kind of year so this is pretty devastating that this happens they're already without two offensive tackles going into this year one due to hold out uh opted out because of covid Jawan james and, you know, you lose Chris Harris Jr. too, which is a big, big loss for them, especially what he meant for that defense. And I think I might just be a little bit early on Denver. I know they're the most heavily wagered to make the playoff AFC teams, according to multiple sports books across the markets. I compared them similarly to how people felt about Cleveland heading into last season is how people feel about Denver. Not as crazy like you had kind of pushed back on as far as their Super Bowl odds. Like the Cleveland Super Bowl odds were out of control last year. But man, if I'm a Broncos fan, my biggest takeaway from this season, and I think the New York Giants fans should feel this way as well. I think Miami Dolphins fans should feel this way as well if Tua ends up starting eventually, which I'm I'm sure we're going to see is you want to leave this season with an answer at quarterback. You want Drew Locke to be the guy for you. And then you have another two, three years where you don't got to pay for him and, and assemble some pieces around him. Same thing goes with Daniel Jones. And you take advantage of that rookie contract. So I'm pushing back a little bit on Denver. So from 9-7, and seven, I got him at 7-9. and nine. Yeah, there's still a lot of instability there, especially offensively. There's a lot of intriguing pieces, but... When you have a quarterback who has inexperienced and someone that's really raw, like good for it. Drew Locke was very raw coming out of college. He's still someone that still struggles to read coverages and pre-snap. Still someone that still working on identifying linebackers when it comes to you know just making his progressions. And just between that and a shaky offensive line, I think that's the one thing Denver's going to look at next year. Like it wouldn't surprise me if they make some major investments there because they clearly have the skill position players. They got Lindsey and Gordon. Uh, be interested to see if they because Gordon's on a two-year deal, so Gordon at least be there for that year. But I just think right now there's too many moving pieces in Denver, and then 
It's just defensively, I think they need to be top five to win nine, ten games. And without Bob Miller, it's hard to see them being a top five unit. All right, let's segue into another game of the week that we have here. Tampa Bay playing the New Orleans Saints. Easily the marquee game of the week, I would say, week one. Also, ready for this tidbit? The oldest combined age of two starting quarterbacks ever to square off in an NFL game. Man, I was hoping it'd be like Vinny Testaverde against somebody, but that's not the case. All right, so how are you feeling about this one, man? Mike Evans uh, popped up on the injury report a little bit. That's a big concern because you talk about the soft tissue he has. That's the injury he has, and he has practicing. And if he doesn't play, I think that's a huge letdown because he's a big vertical threat. I don't think Tampa Bay could really push down the field without him. So if he doesn't play, it's hard to see how they would. But I guess with this game, I guess everyone's talking about Brady, but I want to see how this Tampa Bay defense looks against a really good offense, and they're going to be in a position where hopefully their quarterback doesn't turn it over two or three times a game. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. You've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you've been craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. I'm a big Wendy's guy. Love me some Wendy's. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open up the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUE. Wire. That's $5 off your delivery and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and in the App Store using the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DealDash. Dude, hell of a point there, and I also want to bring up the fact that this is the same hamstring that landed Mike Evans on IR last year, too. And he missed some games. So, yeah, definitely a little concerning. And I mentioned before, the idea of these guys just being thrown out there week one. And you're like, all right, time to go 0-60 ASAP. I'm, I'm worried about that. I think this is something to definitely monitor. I think this game has some shootout potential. Mike Evans, though, last three stat lines against the Saints. Four for 69, no touchdowns. Four for 86, no touchdowns. And a complete zero across the board. Zero catches, zero receptions, zero touchdowns. Man, I wish we could get that stat line. Remember 2018 season opening weekend when uh, Fitzpatrick just went crazy against New Orleans that week one game. Evan stat line had to be absurd that game. So I'm I'm glad you bring that up. I, I should have started by saying it was... This is Marshawn Lattimore coverage on Mike Evans. These oh, are the last. Okay. So you're right. Those stat lines might be in, um, 
looking different if you kind of look at the box score. So I don't want someone to go to the box score, which I don't have in front of me, by the way, very unprofessional of me. But you're right. That one game was Fitzpatrick. Deshaun Jackson is running wild. And it was like 45 on him. Yeah, yeah. In in New Orleans, they kind of blew up everyone's survivor pool. They blew up the the guy that took down the Millie Maker and DraftKings had like full exposure to Tampa Bay. It was it was chaotic. They beat New Orleans and then they beat Philly. Everyone's just like, whoa, what is going on? But then eventually in Tampa Bay fesh. Yeah. Uh, seems like Camara is going to be playing this week. The contract situation should be, maybe by the time you guys hear this, it's going to probably be solved. Um, important to note that the Bucks defense against the run last year was elite. They were shutting down everybody. Um, and, and they played a lot of big name running backs too. They played Camara twice. They played McCaffrey. They played Barkley as well. And they really had a top five run defense per DVOA football outsiders. Now you have the passing defense for Tampa Bay, which is still a concern and I'm worried about because it was a very pass funnel defense last year where you couldn't run on them, but boy, can you throw against them. They're very young back there. There's, I know they have a couple of draft picks. I have Carlton Davis, someone to keep an eye on. But just they've been kind of hit by bad drafts. Like Tampa Bay, I think, when it comes to bad drafts, they're up there. You know, them and the Jaguars probably, as it just teams that have failed on a lot of first-round picks. Like, you know, they got hit hard, but Vernon Hargreaves never developing into that number one quarter. So uh, this will make a lot of young talent. It'll be interesting to see how much Top Bulls blitzes in this game. Top Bulls is always known for Pendergo. I think both defenders, according to his, I should mention, because Dennis Allen, like you watch the Saints sometimes, they will just put together like six, seven-man blitzes. Judges look to explode pocket. And knowing Tom Brady, even though Brady, I feel like year in, year out, like if it ranges like where he is against the blitz, but I thought last year he got rallied quite a bit. It wouldn't surprise me if New Orleans just tried to blitz Brady like crazy just because he's adjusting to a new system. And I don't know, timing could be off. Did you hear Leonard Fournette's comments this week about how he's finally playing with a good quarterback? Uh, I didn't, but it just, I don't know how much, I really don't think Leonard Fournette's going to make a big impact in Tampa. Now, Grant, he might get his goal line carries, but. I don't know. I just never really thought of him as this premier talent. And, like, he might get, what, five to seven carries a game? Nah, dude. I think you're selling it short. Maybe this initial week, but I think I think he'll have a bigger usage rate than that. Five to seven carries a game is probably what uh, Ronald Jones is going to be getting, don't you think? Uh, they Bruce Aaron keeps talking up Jones, but then again, that could be coach speak, but Aaron's isn't known for that. So I think that situation's a complete mystery because he's still got Shade McCoy around there. Mm. Like, there's no telling. Like, it's going to be a very, very crowded situation. And this is, not to mention, just a pass happy offense. Like, I expect Tampa Bay to be top five minimum in pass attempts, you know, just knowing Bruce Aaron's style of offense. So that's why I think just the running back position in general in Tampa Bay, it's, I don't want to call it irrelevant, but I think. It's kind of a position where it's plug and play. Like whoever's back there, they'll get their yards bound to. They're really going to be making a huge difference. I really want to see this Saints offense because I think this is the best offense Drew Brees has ever had on paper. You look at the weapons, it's it's kind of hard to argue with this pedigree here. Michael Thomas set all the records last year. No real signs of regression. Uh, is he going to get 180 plus targets this year? Maybe not, but. I'll 
bet everything I have that he surpasses 150 as far as targets goes. You got Kamara at the backfield. Murray's a very, very capable backup running back who, when asked to step into a starter role, has proved that he is capable of carrying the workload. Jared Cook at tight end. I like him at tight end, especially when he's like your fourth option. Manuel Sanders, I've been saying this entire offseason, is the most underappreciated free agency signing of any team this offseason. Traquan Smith, still, they'll run him three, four times a game just to spread the defense up. And unless Drew Brees, like we opened this discussion in this episode, bro, unless Drew Brees completely falls off a cliff, offensive line being one of the best in the NFL, Pro Football Focus has it as its number one ranked offensive line coming into 2020. I like everything about the Saints. I am all in on the Saints. I think... This game in particular, there's a lot of public hype on the Bucks. As always, when you're coming into week one, the team that's been spoken about the entire offseason and the splash moves that they've made. I'm leaning towards the Saints here to sh- sort of show their dominance and be like, yeah, Brady is cool, man, but you're not playing jobbers anymore six times a year. Like You're playing Drew Brees twice. You're playing Matt Ryan twice, former MVP. You're playing Teddy Bridgewater, who, from a betting perspective, is one of the best quarterbacks against the spread. And also, it's a tremendous upgrade from Kyle Allen last year, I think. And I know that the Panthers have one of the lowest win totals projected this season. I still think, like, Teddy Bridgewater is, right now, I would take him over some of the quarterbacks in the in the AFC East. So, when you're Brady, it's like, yo, you got to show us something now. This isn't going to be a gimme division, and even conference. Yeah, especially given the fact the defense as well in this division, like they're they're pretty talented. Like I, I do expect New Orleans to be up there when it comes to like as a top five unit. And I don't know, it's just if they want Mike Evans, I, I just think it's gonna be a lot of think and dunk, which is a concern because one thing about that Saints defense is just they're a bunch of ball hawks. They go after Janoris Jenkins, will take chances. Uh, remember, they got Malcolm Jenkins now as well. Like, it's a veteran group. It's not just a bunch of like they still got a couple of players that are first round picks, but I think New Orleans is really just shaped out to be just they need more veteran leadership back there because there were times in 2018 and 19 their secondary faltered a bit. So in fact, you got the a couple of veterans back there, and I think the defensive line's as good as it's ever been. Uh, I I think New Orleans wins, and it could be big, especially if Mike Evans isn't there. So you're going with the Saints? Yeah, no hesitation. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with that as well. Um, All right, man. I want to end the show with this one right here. Talk a little NBA. Um, The Miami Heat, they beat the Bucks rather convincingly. Uh, And my question to you is, you're you're a Heat fan, aren't you? Am I bugging? I grew up a Heat fan, but I'm not going to pretend like I'm totally invested. Like, I grew up loving Alonzo Mourning, Tim Hardaway. I got like three Dwayne Wade jerseys. But I don't know the whole... the whole way LeBron, LeBron Bosch thing kind of it, it got a bit boring after a while, and then I don't know, like I just started getting back to the NBA because I just hate the whole Cavs Warriors thing. It just got very dull. But past I would say year and a half, I've absolutely loved the NBA, and it's cool watching the Heat now. I'm getting back into it, but I'm not gonna claim that I'm this big diehard fan like I was in the mid 2000s. All right, fair enough. I appreciate the honesty there. Uh, I fucked up, bro. I should have been a Heat fan, right? My love for Miami. Could have got yeah. on the bandwagon 10 years ago when they got LeBron. And, you know, I always liked Wade. And I know initially I would have been called a bandwagoner. But then 
by now, people probably would have forgotten about that, right? Ten years ago, if I started being a fan? Oh, uh, yeah, because people, there are bandwagons everywhere. Warriors, Lakers, there's like a new bandwagon that merges every two, three years. I think the NBA is really unique because it, it it's always been a star-driven league, but I think with social media now, the emergence of it, a lot of people have favorite players, and they tend to follow their favorite players also. The right. Heat absolutely dominate the Bucks. I predicted that. I said back in February, March, before the whole COVID shit, one team to watch out for was the Miami Heat because they had eight to nine guys deep. They have the championship pedigree in Pat Riley, a a very young, scrappy team with some aging vets. They took the attitude of Jimmy Butler. Tyler Hero has emerged into like a legitimate baller, and he's a rookie. He's 20 years old. First 20-year-old, first... Player to reach the conference finals, Allen, in the NBA that was born in the 2000s. How's that? Does that make you feel old? <laughs> he like he was annoying to watch on Kentucky because he was a part of that Calipari team. But mm-hmm. oh man, when it comes to shooters, like it's just especially I forgot what was it, the game they lost. Actually, like he kept them in it because Butler was struggling a little bit. Like when it comes to shooters, I I don't know if he's top five yet, but I think he's gonna get there. I mean, him, Duncan Robinson, uh, Dragic is showing people that, like, yo, I'm still a really good fucking point guard. I love that. That's scrappy. They got Crowder. Like, their their starting line consists of Marquette players and Kentucky players. Or their core, I should say, because here comes off the bench. Because Bam Bam came from uh, Kentucky. And then you got Butler and Crowder from Marquette. So, they just have overall cool roster. They do, man. They do. And I thought one thing that was going to hurt them is not being able to play in Miami, the Miami flu, which I've mentioned ad nauseum. But I want to kind of more so highlight the other side because Giannis, right? Everyone is talking about Giannis. I'm not going to get my hopes up because people are like, oh, he's going to end up in New York. And it's like, spoiler, no one's no one's coming here ever because no one ever comes here except for Carmelo Anthony, which we need to give that guy his flowers because Melo said, you know what? It's shitty over there. And I know it's a dumpster fire, but I want to go play there. So hats off to Melo there. I want to ask you this question. He's a free agent after next season. He is eligible for the Supermax this summer. Put yourself in Giannis' shoes. You look at the roster in Milwaukee. What would you do, Alan? Because I feel as if, if he and his agent are looking at the money that the rest of the players on that team are making. I said it when it happened. I understood the Middleton contract, but that's the contract that he's going to look at and be like, I'm out. Deuces. Yeah, if I'm him, I'm bolting. I don't see much future here. Uh, you just look at the roster. I don't know what more they could do. I don't know what stars they can attract. It's just, And maybe the whole small market thing does apply here, but it's just there's got to be opportunities elsewhere where it's with the Warriors or even Miami maybe Toronto like I don't know I just think Milwaukee it's, they've kind of past two years reached their limits like the fact that they could make the finals last year really hurt and then this year just kind of imploded I just don't see much upside staying in Milwaukee at this point like is he gonna get there because teams like Boston Miami and even Toronto like they just continue to improve and who knows like maybe it's a team like Toronto Miami could get Bradley Beal and they'll just get even better I just think I just don't see how Milwaukee's going to continue to improve in a conference that's rapidly improving. And we haven't even talked about Brooklyn either. Yeah, that's true. Boston is still going to be good. Um, Toronto, I could see taking a step back depending on how their offseason goes. 
But yeah, man, you're right. You're right. And I think it's going to be really important to see what happens with Chris Paul, right? The rumors are floating around that maybe he's a guy that goes to Milwaukee or Miami as well. And yeah, man, I, uh, I'm curious to see what happens. I, I'm kind of with you though, dude. And, and no disrespect to Milwaukee. I think if a guy gives you that many years and he's, he's probably going to win MVP again this year. I know he's my, he's a heavy favorite to be the MVP this year. That's going to look mad awkward, especially if LeBron is playing in the Western conference finals and what LeBron has been doing. But I kind of feel like he, he's hit his ceiling in Milwaukee. I, I don't see them being able to, win a championship, right? They lose Brogdon last summer, which was a very, very big move for them because he was a very big key to their success. And it's funny, right? We we probably feel completely different if they close out that series against Toronto last year, right? They're up 2-0, and then game three goes into overtime. So that's just like the NBA has so many what-ifs. That's what I'm always fascinated by with the NBA, man. And just you don't see a number one seed get so decisively beaten, right? Like they really, they were somewhat competitive, but when you're the one seed, it's just I don't know. And like you look at that roster, like okay, maybe they can do an addition here or there, but it's just you have like Eric Bledsoe hasn't really evolved, and you still got like Brook Lopez getting big minutes. It's just I don't know. It's not much encouragement. Like I like Divincenzo; he was really good on Villanova, but I don't know if he could be more than just a key role player at best. So. I just think there's so many other teams. Like, I saw Dallas being mentioned. Like, could you imagine mm-hmm. him in Dallas? You just create the European domination there. We got Latvia, Slovenia, and Greece down there. Oh, man. So, I, don't know, I just think there's, he's going to see the options out there, where it be Eastern Guards. And who knows, maybe he's one of these players that really wants to test himself in the West because, say we want, like, Western Conference is, you got to say it's superior to the East, and maybe this guy's like, okay, I really want to test myself against like, the most elite town possible. You know it would be popping Lakers heat in the finals. LeBron going up against his former squad. Yeah. I think that would be really dope. But I agree with you, man. I think whoever comes out the West, five-game series. Yeah, I, I don't. I think Miami doesn't match up with them. I, like, Who's going to really stop AD? Yeah. Like, I think Bam Bam's going to have some problems there. But. That might be something where, you know who this Miami team kind of reminds me of? And I know this is going to be a, a super reach because there's no one on that team for as good as Jimmy Butler is that is anywhere near the guys that I'm going to mention. Mm-hmm. I kind of have a feeling of a, a, a 2012 Thunder team here where they might make the finals. They kind of surprise people by getting to the finals that year. Remember, this is this is prime peak Spurs, right? The Spurs, the years after, go to back-to-back finals against the Heat. This is the Mavericks coming off a championship. Uh, Kobe is still with the Lakers. Like these, this is a very loaded Western Conference, and the Thunder end up going there. But and then they go and they play Miami, and then they lose in five. So it might be a situation where this is definitely a team. I would I would invest money in them winning a championship over the next five years with this core that they have in Miami. But I do think it might be something where. We're gonna look back at this year and be like, you know what? They were they 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 got there a year early. And you have to give praise to Spolstra. Like I remember, twenty fourteen fifteen, people just want Spolstra gone. They're tired of all this guy's not a leader. 
Like he's still there and he commands a lot of respect. Like people are, they follow his philosophy. Like he's not the most vocal guy, but you could tell like he has the total respect of that locker room. And he's been there. Like he was assistant under, I want to say even Pat Riley. So kudos to him because man, I remember like when he was, there always, whenever there was like a crisis in Miami, back in the LeBron era, they would always go to Spolstra. It was like Spolstra and Mario Chalmers. It was like the two people that got the most criticism. So the fact that Spolstra's still there and I think people have grown to appreciate him. All right, man. I'm excited, dude. Week one. I know Thursday Night Football is about to start in a couple hours for us over here. And, uh, yeah, do you, any, any any other thoughts, man, as we wrap up this episode? Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Like, I'm, I, dude, we got to mention, I guess, the Sunday night game with Dallas and the Rams. I know the Rams, no, no one's really talking about, but I do think this is a pretty good high-profile matchup. Yeah, you know what I'm most fascinated about this game, bro? I want to see what that stadium is going to look like empty. That's what everyone, yeah, that's like the big talking point. Right? That's that, a, that's supposed to be where WrestleMania is going to be next year, brother. Oh, wow. Damn, I had no idea. No, because I know they're talked about like this like this huge complex that's kind of like what the Falcons did with the Mercedes-Benz. But it's just, man, the fact that it's an empty stadium and, you know, they gave, it's just, I think the pressure's now bigger on golf more than ever. It just, I don't know, it's, it's going to be a weird season with the Rams. I don't think people are talking about them enough. Maybe because the NFC West is just so exciting and there's three teams really making moves. Shout out to the members of the Patreon. Orvica, Derek Pleates, Corey Johnson Hoops, Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, and Ryan Pisner. Um, just a heads up, for, for those of you that I just mentioned right now, if ever you guys want to buy merch, I know Piz, my guy Piz, shout out to him. He uh he got something from the merch store. You guys are eligible for a discount because you're members of our Patreon. So please just reach out to us. Um and we'll hook you guys up. Uh it's the least we could do. Also, some new people that join the Patreon as well, as I pull it up over here. Um we got Justin Babich, Noah Burnett, and Eric Van Loon. Eric Van Loon. That kid always fucking trolls me on Twitch. Can you believe that shit, Alan? About what? Listen, man, I'm not that good at video games, but I'm very entertaining. Oh, okay. you know? I thought like, it was about sports or something. Nah, listen. I mean, oh. I'm kind of head honcho when it comes to that, brother. You know what I'm oh, saying? Okay. But like my no, Call I thought it would be like Giant Slander or... Oh, listen. What was there to slander for a five-win team? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Whenever someone slanders Daniel Jones, you get, you get quite defensive. I do. I do. I do. I, lo- I love little Daniel. Uh, hopefully, yo, those, that first month for the Giants is going to look rough. Well, hey, you want to talk about nationally televised? They're nationally televised. Yo, uh, they're going to get shellacked. They're going to get blown out by 20. I just pictured TJ Water right with a strip sack. Oh, dude. Like, <laughs> I said this back in April. The New York Giants <laughs> tweeted, who's catching the first touchdown for Daniel Jones? And I tweeted, Minka Fitzpatrick. <laughs> oh, damn. I thought you were his number one fan. This isn't the way. Listen, man, I love him. I love him. I think he's awesome. I think he has weapons around him. I think the Giants have done a, a really good job surrounding him with offensive talent. But I do think that the defense is going to get exposed and he's going to have to throw from behind. And, you know, can we see these guys? Can I see Evan Ingram play 10 games? Can I see Sterling Shepard be there every week? You know, now I kind of, I want to say I reported this, but I put this out there about a month ago, how Daniel Jones hasn't played 
an offensive snap with his weapons in his career yet. But there's a reason for that. Like, Shepard, concussion, Golden Tate. He's been very durable, surprisingly. They got suspended, I think. No, Golden Tate got suspended. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, last year, he, he got suspended. Uh, Barkley was at, like, 70-60% last year. And the offensive line can only get better because it's been so bad. But... You know, Daniel Jones, can we see you protect the football? So until proven otherwise, like my expectations are very low. This is the happiest I've been going into a giant season because my expectations are so low. I just want to see. I really do believe, though, and I know I'm kind of going off on a rant on the Giants here as we're winding down the show. I think the Giants offense could be very special, but this first month is rough. Pittsburgh, the Niners at Chicago. It's it's going to be some tough defenses right off the rip. That's a lot of nasty pass rushers. Man, Andrew Thomas is why you just the first round pick him. Yeah. Welcome. Your first your first three games of the league, you're going up against defensive wow. player of the year candidates. Bosa, Mac. And, and shit, even if you you go elsewhere, right? Like fucking D Ford, uh Robert Quinn. Yeah, it's just constantly so that's that, man. Uh, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. There's a lot of dope shit over there. Uh, I'm very excited about an interview that's going to drop next week. Um, if you guys follow me on social media at The Lamb Show, you've already seen what we're uh, talking about. But, yeah, Alan, my guy, where can they find you if they want to contact you? Alan underscore Stirk, that's A-L-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. All right, folks. Uh, enjoy the opening weekend of nfl it's the first time in sports history where we have baseball soccer nfl nba hockey ufc all this shit going on in one weekend it's gonna be a cowboy rager sit back relax and congrats The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads, totals, to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Guys, the Patreon, I put out a lot of betting content during the regular season. We're close to 60% in the last four years at picking games against the spread. Last year, we went four and two on win totals, four and four in division picks and predictions but we also profited close to $700 if you were doing it on $100 unit plays I explained it all over there check that out also if you're into DFS we got some shit crunking crunking cracking out over there don't forget to use promo code bluewire at betonline.ag that's one word all one word bluewire betonline your online sportsbook experts 
I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.